All right, here we go. Another podcast, another episode of Square Dance Callers Talking. Tonight, I've got a gentleman. This is the first person I've ever spoke to um, in Southern California, and uh, he's got a record label. He's been calling a really long time. Uh, I'm going to let him tell you all about it. Uh, he is uh, He owns Shakedown Records. Um, and he's going to tell us about his life in square dance calling. Tonight, I've got Pat Carnathan. How are you, sir? I'm well, thanks, Charlie. I, I certainly appreciate you doing this with me. And uh, uh, as a lot of my podcasts have been going, I'll start off and I'll ask you this. Um, you, you're in Southern California. You said Menifee, California. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, uh, the, and I tell everybody the closest I've ever come to California, I've I've been to Los Angeles. Uh on a connecting flight yes. and uh, actually on the connecting back from Hawaii, we went to Disneyland. So I say I've been to California, but I literally was in Disneyland. Then I got back on the plane and flew out. So I've never actually been to California. I've been in the area, but uh, so you've been out there your whole life. Um, well, I was born in May of 64. My father was Navy. So when I was six weeks old, we went to Japan and spent six years in the coast of Japan. So I spent the first six years of my life there. Of course, we lived in officers' housing on base. So I didn't really, you know, assimilate a great deal I'd, with uh, you know, local Japanese kids. And keeping in mind, I was a baby and came back when I was six. So I don't really have a great deal of memories. Wow. But yeah, I've been in, I was in San Diego uh, until I retired from daytime work in 07. Moved from San Diego about 75 miles up the road. Mm -hmm. to uh, the teeming, teeming metropolis of Menifee, California. Okay. Uh, it's uh, it's a little more peaceful. San Diego is turning into Los Angeles Junior. Okay. Uh, no such thing as rush hour. It's just all day, every day. All day, all night, yep. We kind of get a little bit of that in Atlanta for sure with the traffic. Yeah. You know, I spent the first, you know, 40 years of my life, with the exception of Japan, you know, I would go to work. I would take my surfboard or my jet skis and I, I would leave from work, grab a six pack of beer, go directly down to the beach and and play wow. in the water until it got dark. It was, that was a great way to spend puberty, you know? <laughs> oh, sure, sure. That's all. That's a great story. Um, so your dad was lifetime Navy? Retired no, from it was, he was in from 46 to 71. Okay. Retired uh, in San Diego. And then I went to work for General Dynamics Convair, uh, third shift as a machinist, and okay. going to school at San Diego State, got his teaching credential, and he taught he taught uh, high school until, you know, sometime in the 90s. So he had three, two careers. Uh, so it was, it was cool. I mean, I, and, you know, we'll get into this later when we talk about square dancing and, and issues. But, you know, we started square dancing. My, mo my mom and dad started in 76. So I was 12. And then I had a Boy Scout meeting down the street. So I would go to my meeting and then I would walk down the street and hang out at the dance, either read a book or do homework. And my mom said, uh, well, next year, you're going to join the class. I said, I am not. <laughs> I'm a macho 13-year-old. I will have no square dancing. Yeah. So I get to the dance, and, and well, there's a 13-year-old girl. I'm like, well, maybe this won't suck after all. <laughs> so, Very nice. So I learned square dance, and then that was, you know, 77, 78. 
1980, the club I was dancing with had amateur callers night. So I tried uh, Wade Driver's um, Sail Away mm -hmm. with backup vocals on it. I did not have enough skill to be singing with backup vocals. I tanked miserably. I mean, no, just didn't. nose first into the ground at a high rate of speed. It was really bad. And uh, I swore right then and there I would never, ever become a square dance caller. Wow. And then, you know, a month later, two months later, another club had a amateur callers night, and I tried um, Rhythm of the Rain. Okay, oh, I know that. Beautiful piece of music. And, uh, that one actually went okay. So I thought, you know, maybe I could do this. My mom and dad bought me a, a Newton. No, not Newton. Newcomb turntable and speakers. I practiced to the four walls of my bedroom for hours and hours. And, you know, back in those days, in the you know, early 80s, San Diego had probably 45 or 50 square dance clubs. So I could travel to a different club every night of the week. The caller would invite me to do a tip. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I kept records. I had a card file of the date and the club and the song I did. And I gave myself a one to five rating. And then I would write down what the caller said. Yeah. I was kind of hardcore. Uh, I was a, almost a straight A student in school. School was no trouble for me. So in class, I'm writing choreography. You know, teach Mr. Carter, you want to solve this problem? Uh, sure. <laughs> I'm trying to do a resolve from a load the boat into a right and left brand. So give me a break here, okay? <laughs> yeah. I know that. I sit there and I'll play with checkers when I'm at work and all that, writing stuff out. And it's a, it's a different, you're in a different world when you're doing it. You're concentrating. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, uh, my hero, Square Dance Caller, is Jet Roberts. I think he's the best caller on the planet. And I told him that, um, but you know, when we hang out, when he comes over to the house and does gigs in the in the area, that man works on his craft. Even though he's really freaking good at it, yeah. he gets out his checkers and says, I'm, "I'm working on something," and he starts doing the checkers. So here's a guy who's always like Billy Joel, still practicing the piano. Right, right. Uh, I don't have the patience to do the checkers. I use that little software program called SD, uh -huh. uh, the Windows. It's a little clunky, but fully functional. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a list of everything you did so that you can transcribe it and, you know, put it in yeah. into a font that's big for, a you know, almost 60-year-old guy to see. Yeah. And I, I, use, uh, I use some Taminations on occasion. Um, I still do checkers a lot. Um, I care. I've got some with me. Whenever I go anywhere, usually, especially if we're traveling or something, I've always got some with me. And, uh, yeah, and I try and write it down. And, you know, years ago, I would try and read, and that's just not a good plan. Um, you know, uh, so I, I'm not good at looking at something reading when people know I'm doing it and trying to hide it that I'm reading no. it. That, that never that never works. <laughs> I can't like take my eyes off the road. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of stand to the side of the laptop and keep cutting over, and I was like, "They, they know what I'm doing." So yeah, you got to you got to get away from that. There are a couple oh. callers out there that made quite a living as reading callers. They sure. wrote yep. good stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. They wrote good stuff, and they could could sell it. 
you know, unfortunately, especially at national convention, you'll see a lot of guys and gals reading. And they're trying to, you know, one eye on the square, one eye on their notes. Mm -hmm. They miss a call, which is death. Yep. I mean, yep. the end of your world. And the problem is if they're reading, they're not paying attention to the floor. And I've, I've seen 25 squares standing there staring at the caller while the caller is trying to find his place on it. Oh, yeah. just want to shrink into the woodwork. That or they don't even realize that the dancers are watching them because they haven't looked up. And, and, and it's just hard, especially being a caller and seeing that happen to somebody you feel for them, you know, because I, I, I've been there when I started out. I got called a couple of times like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, I've gone to a lot of caller schools, things like that, trying to pick up on it and just watching and listening to people on YouTube and everything. So you started out and um, I saw where you uh, you play piano since you were six. Yeah. Is that right? I actually asked asked my mom for piano lessons. We had a okay. piano in the house, and uh, I was kind of playing tunes by ear, just listening and playing them. And uh, apparently, I had an affinity for when the saints go marching in. And my mom called my dad, who was on you know shore duty, and said, "Can we afford to get this kid some piano lessons?" Um. <laughs> so I took private lessons from age six to age eighteen. We have a we have a critter crossing the desk, <laughs> um, and then I was a music major at San Diego State. Mm -hmm. uh, I was not a good music major at San Diego State. I was playing in bands. I was a square dance caller. You know, you're you're playing in bands, making thirty dollars a night. Going, why do I need a job? I made thirty bucks. Yeah, you're, you're such a moron when you're nineteen years old. Oh, I, I get you. <laughs> I was, I was talking to Justin Russell and he talked about how he's driving, you know, he would drive 400 miles to make $110 and turn around and drive back and thinking, you know, I'm a traveling caller now, you know, yeah, that, counts, that counts, right? <laughs> Just because you're out there on the road. So you start, when, do, when, so you start doing your own dances after your amateur night and all that, what levels do you call at and where does all that go now with the calling? Well, um, Amateur College Night was June of 80. I did my first professional gig in September of 81. Mm -hmm. So that's when I kind of considered myself going pro. Right. Uh, by 82, I had a club. Uh, and as far as I tell this people all the time, as far as my nice friends at the IRS are concerned, mm -hmm. I've been a full-time caller since 85. Okay. Uh, even though I you know, held down a day job and I went back to school, got my bachelor's degree. And... Uh, I've always, if I took both of my degrees and a ten dollar bill to Starbucks, I could get coffee. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, I got headhunted by the Highway Patrol in '87. California, California Highway Patrol, okay. And when I was bilingual, I hadn't committed a felon, or at least I hadn't been caught. Um, I had my associate's degree in administration of justice, and I thought, and but. I was in 87, I would have been 22, 23 years old, still yeah. not very mature. And the idea of going, it didn't bother me the six months of academy time in Sacramento. And then there'd be another six months of FTO time for our civilians out there, that's field training officer. Yeah. FTO time. Uh, but then the Highway Patrol, after you had your shiny badge for one year, they would send you anywhere in the state of California that needed a chippy. 
It would it could be Blythe or Ukiah or East LA, you know, uh, uh, now they've changed it. If you own a home or if you have family, they'll send you back to one of the stations wow. near your home. Like, yeah. what the hell was that in the mid eighties? Yeah, I get you. Uh, <laughs> but so I didn't do it. I mean, if I did, I'd be retired right now at 90%. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's a good scam. <laughs> uh, no, that's it. The, I never went that direction, but uh, the Georgia State Patrol, same thing. They would put you through their trooper school. And when you got out, it was just like, hey, we need you in South Georgia. And you just go, you know, <laughs> hopefully you're not married or anything. Now, that's probably changed since the 80s and 90s. Um, but so you made a good call uh, with the square dancing and everything else you've done to get away from the course. It's hard to get away from chips watching the TV show, thinking you could have done that for a little while. So, well, the thing is, and I'm sure there's a highway patrolman out there that would disagree with me. Their kind of law enforcement is not the kind that your local cops and sheriff's deputies. That's do. exactly right. Yeah. I, when I got my degree in administration of justice, I really enjoyed the accident investigation class, the physics and the math. Um, the the instructor was a San Diego motor officer. Okay, he called me and go, I got a good one. You got to come see this one, and I drive over there, and you know we take measurements, and you'd measure the wow. skid marks, and and you could determine how fast the car was going. It was just amazing to me, and that's a lot of what the the California Highway Patrol does: and pulling right. over drunks and writing speeding tickets, and yeah. you don't all. I mean, they are cops. Make no mistake. But you don't have to deal with some guy who's just beating up his wife or, God forbid, yeah. his child or something. And, man, oh, man, how do you how do you handle that? I mean, yeah, it, it's, you know, hand, catching dispatches and stuff like that, it's, it, it's got its own challenges for sure. Um, but I always preferred that to writing tickets when I was out on the road. Um, I just wasn't a big ticket guy. Um I would just do whatever they asked me to do. So. Right. That's always the best bet. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gotten me this far, so just kind of do what they ask you to do. I told both my kids to become either cops or firefighters because in California, it's about the last job that has a pension. Yes, that's correct. Uh, and, uh, you know, personally, I would rather they become firefighters so they don't get shot at. Yeah. Uh, neither kid did what I asked. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, our daughter works for us, mm -hmm. and uh, at the we own an escrow company in California. When property changes hands, it goes through escrow. Okay. Some states use lawyers to uh, to make the transaction. California uses escrow. And our son, my kids are actually my stepkids, but I've been in their lives since they were eleven and fourteen. Okay. And they're now thirty three and thirty. Oh, great! Right. Well. Uh, that's their life, pretty much, yeah. And uh, the, the boy works for his biological father. So we both kids stayed in the family, you know, as far as their their career path. That's good, yeah. The, the girl is going to take over the company when we retire. In just one day over six years, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn 59 tomorrow. And uh, I think... Oh, no, gonna, happy birthday. I didn't know that. Okay. We're going to... We're going to, Monica is, my wife is, she's five years younger than me. So I think we're going to work until I'm 65 and she is 60. Mm -hmm. Reevaluate our position okay. and, and see if we can afford to retire. 
you know, because uh, we both had 401ks, and but then, you know, life happens. Sure, sure. Decisions, and so we're frantically trying to save money, you know, now, put money away. Right. Uh, you know, not starting until you're in your early 50s puts you behind a big... <laughs> It does. It does. Luckily, I, uh, I've i got a pension with the PD, um, so that's certainly a big help. Um, and I can go in about 13 months if I want. I'll probably stay a little longer. Just depends. Who knows? So, uh, well, so the square dancing, um, let me ask you this. I ask everybody this, and it's kind of a, a everybody asked me about this question. It's one of my favorite ones. What level, how levels, what levels do you call that? AC or just? I, I call from mainstream through A2. A2. What's your favorite call? If you have to pick one out. Oh, I love follow your neighbor. Follow your neighbor. Very nice. Why, you know why? Because it changes the handedness of the ocean wave. Mm -hmm. It starts out right-handed, it ends up left-handed. Left-handed, yep. And uh, I think it is cool as heck. And I think anybody who calls folly and neighbor and spread should be hung by their thumbs. Because <laughs> it's just it's just a cop out. Why call folly and neighbor and spread? You're right back to a right, you know, assuming you started right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and and th there's some places that I've gone to that uh, the dancers think that's the actual call. You're not when, wrong. If you say follow your neighbor, they, you, you'll watch them break down because they're just like, whoa, 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 this isn't how we do it. And I was like, well, no, it's not. It's the way you're supposed to, you know, you can put the spread in there, but that's kind of, you know, it, it makes it easy. You go to that and you're right back into a right-hand wave and you, everybody's comfortable there. Right. Well, that's the truth. Uh, I think a lot of callers have a, uh, I don't want to say a fear, but a phobia of left-handed formation. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what to do. They, and if they do call, okay, you little missy. Um, <laughs> If they do end up in a left-handed ocean wave, they immediately call either trade the wave or centers cross run. You know, it's kind of like crossover circulate. Almost always they use a turn and deal immediately afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, callers become very predictable. And uh, I try to not, you know, the whole point is to not be predictable. If you want something boring and predictable, go line dancing. You know, that's, that, Yep. That's one of my favorite jokes. Uh, but no, I, um, square dancing has literally taken me around the world. I've called in Japan, and I've, I've called in Canada. I've called all over the United States, uh, working on, I've gone on cruises. You know, I saw where you've got some cruises. You've got, you've got another one coming up pretty soon, don't yeah. you? Yeah, we're gonna, uh, Tim Pepper and I are going to do the Southern Caribbean. I don't know, is it Caribbean or Caribbean? I don't know. Anyway, it's I, well, I'm from down this way, so it's Caribbean. So. Right on. So, uh, yeah, we're going to you know depart and return from Fort Lauderdale. The last trip we did was back in September of last year, 2022. Uh, that was Venice to Barcelona, and that was 12 days. Yeah. And that was a great trip, but uh, we got to look at our, our age group, our clientele. They are mature. Correct. And, um, maybe they don't want to do a 12-hour flight over the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Uh, you got to be mindful of that. I personally, I like those cruises. I mean, I've done, you know, uh, the, the Mediterranean, the Atlantic, and uh, they're, they're great trips. And if you're going to fly all the way, you know, almost 
halfway around the planet. Yeah. Go have some fun. Get there a few days ahead of time. And you know, we spent three days in Venice before we boarded the cruise ship. And I mean, what an amazing place. Uh Stop it. it looks at you, but look how cute I am. Uh, Venice was amazing because everything has to be done by boat. I know it sounds duh. No, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, there's a FedEx boat. There's a UPS boat. There's a trash boat. You know, it's That's just cute. everything happens on the freaking water. Uh, we're staying in a rather nice hotel. And they brought the fresh linens in by boat and took the dirty ones out. I mean, just every freaking thing is done That's by amazing. We, we, we've talked about at some point we're going to go Mediterranean, get over that way. We just we haven't done it yet. Um, mm -hmm. We're hoping to. My wife retired last year. So at some point we'll go that way and see where we go. To me, a so cruise is when a did you start doing the cruises? Oh, shoot. My first one was back in... We formed Shakedown Records in uh, at Collar Lab in 1988. Mm -hmm. That was Reno. And uh, we were at the Flamingo Hilton. I don't even know why I know that. And uh, uh, the late Lee Schmidt, you know, a, an icon in the activity. Mm -hmm. We're all sitting around drinking because we're callers mm -hmm. and uh, bitching about square dance music. And, you know, why doesn't it sound like the original tune? Right. Why? Why does it always got to be ding, chicka, ding, chicka, ding, chicka, ding. You know, every single one of them. No matter what the original song sounds like, the square dance goes boom, yep. Chuck. That's correct. And, uh, Lee Schmidt said, "Well, you can either sit around here and bitch about it, or you can all throw some money and let's start a record label and do something about it." Okay. So um, we all threw a thousand dollars in. In 1988, that was money. I was 24 yes, years old. It was. It was. Bucks, holy cow. And uh, it took a while to find our groove. I know we're talking about records groove. It's a little bit on the nose. Um, I took over music production by the early 90s. And uh, you, I'm kicking you out of the office because you're killing me. Sorry, Charlie. Okay. It's like having a child in the house. Um, it took a while. I took, and, you know, as a musician, uh, you know, our first few records were uh, underwhelming. You know, we didn't, we didn't find our sound, our groove, our you know where we wanted to be. Uh, I bought studio equipment, um, spent a fortune on keyboards and synthesizers and stuff like that, and started doing what we call the front end work. Right. I would write out the chord chart from the song and and I would play the bass part and the drum part and the keyboard part and any horns. And, and then we would go into the studio and start bringing in live instruments because nobody wants a tune that's entirely synthesized. Right. Uh, but to be fair, synthesized music has come a long, long way. Now that they sample digital music, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. But then again, I'm going to do my own horn. It takes a certain amount of skill to make it sound. You know, a lot of the guys will take, like a drum track, you know, doom, da, doom, da. they'll take that and then just loop it all the way through the song. Yeah. The entire freaking song. Doom, da, doom, da. 
uh, I prefer to play the parts one at a time all the way through. That way there's a little spontaneity. It sounds a little more live. I mean, you know, the best day of my life was the day I got married. But way well into the top five is the day a guy called me from probably somewhere in the South based on his accent. And he said, I just got to know, how do you mic your drum set when you record? And I said, well, it's, it's actually done on the keyboard. He goes, no way. So I, I mean, it, it was a huge compliment. The guy, yeah. my drum set, my drum track was live. Wow. Go me. <laughs> <laughs> so now how many records do you think you've actually uh, produced, made? We got to be creeping up in the hundred mark. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in there. What, uh, just off top of your head, what's some of your favorite ones? Oh, man. I like Brandy, the old looking glass, too. The same, the same Brandy. That, that, is, that is one of my closers right there. I yeah, love Brandy. Yeah. Sweet piece of music. We did, we, got, we did a good job on that one. Yes. Uh, I like country rockers. I like, you know, I was born in 64, so I grew up in the 70s listening to the radio, you know, uh, the Steve Miller band, mm -hmm. Billy Joel, Elton John. I snuck out of the house to see Boston in concert. I couldn't wow. hear for a week afterwards. It was the loudest damn thing. That's a good memory, though. Uh, That's good. <laughs> but um, and then I did uh, Jet Airliner, mm -hmm. uh, Steve Miller band. Because I did the song several years ago up in Northridge. And a sweet little old lady. I mean, she's got to be a million years old. She was probably a waitress at the Last Supper. You know, she she comes up and she goes, "Do you know Steve and the Boys?" <laughs> uh, no, ma'am, I, I don't. Just the practice in my garage. Wow, <laughs> what a cool little piece of that is. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, now I, I see her up there, but I I have to do the song when she's there. She's wow. Rocking the devil horns like this. That is awesome. Gosh. Yeah, I'll tell you, um, I think it was Jackson, Mississippi, uh, a couple years ago at the national convention. I wanted to do I I had done a couple of things with the with the band. And so we were trying to do, we were practicing, I don't need your rocking chair. Okay. Um and they couldn't get to open the way they wanted it because it opens with a guitar and they just couldn't get the sound they wanted. And so three hours before I was going to go up there, Bear, Bear said, hey, why don't we just change to something else? And I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, and, I had, and so they said, hey, let's do Brandy. And I've done Brandy on just off, you know, off of just at dances. And I was like, okay. And uh, so we went into Brandy, didn't even practice, went in cold, and I know where the open is, and I jump in, and I go, and then but, but I wasn't expecting the band to come in with, you know, with the with the backups, Brandy, or, and, I, and I thought, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. The band's behind me, and I just went with that song, and it was one of the best times I'd ever had, just doing a single singing call. It is so cool to be on stage with the band. Um, Shakedown, we had a band for several years, and uh, it was simultaneously the best times of my life and some of the worst times of my life. Okay. Trying to get these a-holes to get together and practice, and yeah. and then a couple of them would only practice on practice day. Mm -hmm. And I told them, I said, you guys, I've been playing the piano for 40 years. I'm a music major, and I still practice. I sit mm -hmm. down and run through some of these tracks just to make sure. And, you know, you guys, 
don't. And we should be able to, you know, we're, we used to practice on every other Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And tell, we got a gig Saturday night and we're about to step on our, you know, what? So yeah. let's, wow. let's crack down here. And so <clears throat> the drummer announced you, the drummer was the only one who was not a score dance caller. <clears throat> the other four of us were all callers. And that was kind of cool to be able to play and call at the same time. Sure. It was a nightmare for the sound man because he's got to figure out which one of us is calling and yeah. you know, pick up his fader. <laughs> All right, which one of these idiots is calling? Who is that? <clears throat> and um, the drummer announced he was quitting, and then our rhythm guitarist, he quit. And I thought, I don't want to try to round up more bodies. Yeah. I would love to. I haven't sold any of my band equipment. I, and that's the other thing. Everything on stage except for the guitars was mine. Wow. Um, if I were to do it again, I think I would have one other caller, and then just some musicians. Just musicians. Okay. That way, I can count on them just back there playing. Um, you know, the Ghost Riders have a solid business plan. Mm-hmm. They play. You boys call. Yep. Go play. <laughs> so it. it works for them good yeah yeah it was it's I've, I've had a chance to do i think three with them and it's just an awesome thing with a band behind you i've never had that until then cool uh what else we got um so you said jet roberts you're one of your favorites uh or and and i and i agree with you wholeheartedly about jet um i've had the pleasure to talk to him several times and uh listen to him a lot some other influences for you as far as callers when you were starting out and even today. Uh, Mike Seastrom um, is the reason I'm a caller. Mm-hmm. I went to the California State Square Days convention. He's standing on stage singing, and I thought he was the coolest damn thing I had ever seen. Okay. I just went full fanboy on. I was probably 15 years old. And I, just, <laughs> you know, mouth open. Just, yeah. Look how cool he is. And, and you know, uh, he and Lisa, I consider them ambassadors of the activity. I mean, if, sure. we, if we send squirt dance callers into space to see other planets, send Mike. Because mm-hmm. uh, um, he's always got a positive attitude. And he, he's a superb caller. Yeah. Uh, he can harmonize with anybody, anytime. My voice, my vocal range is doing this. I feel like Indiana Jones is going to jump through at the last minute. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the songs I recorded, I can't, I can't sing anymore. Uh, the, there's a really good tune. I, I can't remember the label, but it's a Michael Martin Murphy tune called "Carolina in the Pines," and the the record label did a superb job on the music. But it's it's pitched up yeah. here. When I was twenty five years old, I could hit it all day long. But now that I'm creeping up on sixty, not so much. <laughs> <clears throat> so I'm thinking. I I was just talking to Monica not longer. I think I'm going to drop the song into my studio and pitch it down a little. Drop bit. it down, yeah. Uh, Scott Bennett does amazing music. Uh, and, and I've had this is not a secret. I I talk to Scott about this all the time. His music is pitched too high for me to sing. Sorry. I, I can't sing it. Uh, and things, if you pitch shift a song, 
you know, it's not, you're not just shifting the, the instrumentation, you know, the, the drums and everything. So instead of your drum, you know, it's just got a different sound. It, you can get away with one whole step, maybe one and a half, but yeah. you start playing three whole steps down. Mm -mm. Yeah, it's completely different. Yeah. Doesn't sound good. <clears throat> so with Shakedown Records, um, just to get get back on that for just a second, you you've got your favorite songs and all that. Do you have other artists to come in, or what do you do with that now? Well, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I like to use Hunter. Mm -hmm. um, Hunter's phenomenal. One of my favorites, Hunter. Boy can sing. I yeah. mean, he's thirty four years old. He can still sing. Just wait. Um, <laughs> yeah, weasel. Uh, <laughs> He's also one of my best friends. I tell everybody Hunter is a this amazing combination of brother, son, friend. I mean, he uh, he worked for us for the for escrow company for a couple of years. He lived with us for a couple of years and stayed here, stays here a lot when he's gigging here in Southern California. Right. Um, but I, I will put him to work on on tunes. Because um, and the other thing is, he sells records. I mean, he sells music. Uh, when he's in, you know, Denmark and Germany and doing my music, I can tell when Hunter is in Germany because I see purchases from German callers uh, on my PayPal list. Okay, you know, Hunter's in Germany. Good job, kid. <laughs> and you know, uh, he's got a magical voice. He does. He can he can sell a tune. He can croon. My crooning days are long behind me. So I'm, you know, I just I just did an old tune. Um, money, that's what I want. Money, don't get everything. It's true. You basically just shout your way through that song. <laughs> oh, that's my tune right there, boy. I, I can just scream it at the top of my lungs. It's got backup vocals on it. It's awesome. Oh, that, I try and hide behind my yelling sometimes when I'm up <laughs> doing something. I'm just like, you know, if I can't read, if I can't find the note, I'll just yell over it. So. Exactly. Uh, most memorable place you've called? You said you've been in Japan. You've been on cruises. What do you think? What stands out to you? Japan. Japan. Yeah, simply amazing. Um, I'll tell you, I was a plus caller. Plus caller. I wasn't a mainstream caller. I was a plus caller. And, uh, I got sent to Japan, and I was so excited about you know being booked in Japan. I didn't look at the contract, and uh, and you know first off, flying to Japan, you leave Thursday morning and you land Friday night, mm -hmm. so you got screwed out of a Friday. They started square dancing at eight in the morning on Saturday, and they just dance all damn day. They stop for lunch briefly, and and they don't take breaks. So you're calling your little tail off. Um, I burn I. Found out mainstream, hours and hours of mainstream. I am so screwed. So three chips in, I have burned up all of my mainstream stuff. So I just started calling all position, and they did it. Some of the best dancers I've ever seen in my life to this day, and that was in 1995. I've heard that. I've heard that. Bulletproof. I mean, just bulletproof square dancers. And you'd call some really cool stuff. And, you know, of course, they're also very fastidious about their attire. 
So the entire club's wearing the same damned outfit. <laughs> it's a sight caller's nightmare. It's like, sure. great and identical. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I took that and then flying home, you leave Tuesday morning and arrive Tuesday morning. So you get screwed out of a Friday, but you got a complimentary Tuesday out of the deal. Nice. Um, yeah. I, I had a club that I was calling for. I had called for several clubs. My favorite club was a Sunday night group down in San Diego. And uh, I I told them, I said, you guys, I just had an amazing weekend of calling. And I'm going to make sure you can dance that stuff. And, I'm like, okay. and uh, it was a rough year or so. Because you had accomplished squirt dancers that had never done, you know, like say, past the ocean yeah. session. Uh, you know, I, I don't do the girls part of past the ocean. Well, yeah. There is no girls part of past the ocean, and uh, and because I'm the one who taught them, so I was partially to blame. I was mostly to I was all the blame. You know, when you see call past the ocean, the girls do that little left touch of quarter in mm -hmm. the middle. You call it sashay, and they end up in a facing hourglass formation because the girls did a left touch of quarter in the middle. Um, but we turned that club into a bunch of animals. Wow. And we had these, we had people that were challenge level dancers that would show up on Sunday nights to dance plus because it was awesome. They, and uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So I teach all position. I, you know, I think anybody who says all position is being a little arrogant. Um, the only person who could teach all position would be Jet because he knows all of them. Um, I teach most positions square dancing. You know, I think, you know, the circulates and the runs and the trades, you should be able to do those from all the positions. Yeah. You know, and uh, past the ocean, by God, you should be able to do it sashayed. Same thing with square through. So when I'm teaching my beginners, the first time I run through a, a call, like partner trade, mm -hmm. do it sashayed. Yeah. Uh, that way they don't, they don't know any better. And I get my chops busted all the time by callers. Oh, don't teach them all positions. You're just confusing them. And the truth of the matter is your class members have no idea. They're like, okay, Pat said, pass through and face your partner, step to a wave. You know, you know well, our caller taught us, you know, pass through, boys turn right, girls do a left touch of quarter. I'm sure your caller is a very fine caller. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that always stuck with me when I was coming up, um, and I, I, I was talking about it with Ray Owens a while back, but um, Tim Mariner taught me to square dance um, back 28 years ago um, wow. when he was just starting out. Um, and uh, but we were in half sashayed lines, and um, I remember he said, "Pass." And some people may not get it. Me being in police work, I kind of get it. He said, "Pass the ocean, boys are the hookers," <laughs> and that has stuck and i i do it now I, i'll i'll do it at a dance thursday night when i go do mine i'll have yeah. them have, and i'll say pass the ocean boys are the hookers and some people get a laugh out of it you know and it because it's just funny because that's what they're doing um but so yeah it's it's good to have somebody who can or a group that can dance from a lot of positions all of them um and when you get the higher levels the a's and the c's you run into that it's you know expected. you some of the other clubs, you, you know, you get down there and it's tough. Um, it kind of 
limits what you can do as a caller if you because you want the dancers to succeed you know especially if it, if you're if you're a guest or they're pulling you into you're doing a dance for them on a friday night um you don't want to go in there and go hey watch what i know you know right. let, me, let me show you something yeah, because you, you, you want to come back yeah so you know, I'm going to, hey, that first tip is going to be as basic as we can get. We're going to yeah. do this. We're going to do that. And it's a lot of right and left throughs and beer left just to see if they can do it. Um, you know, and a good yeah, test is your favorite call. Follow the neighbor. You say follow your neighbor and you don't say spread. And you're going to see what dancers can keep up with because that, that tells you something. Just something as simple as that. Okay. Um, so a lot of my other podcasts. Um, I stayed right on that. And so I was thinking about it and I was telling you before we did this that um, I've talked to some callers uh, in a dinner setting or just hanging out after a dance, drinking or whatever. And um, a lot of funny stories and things like that. So before we get done here, I want to, I'm just going to throw some things out at you and you tell me, and if you want to expound on them, have at it. If you have no point, in it, if you don't have anything to say about it, that's fine. Um, Footloose or Dirty Dancing? That's a tough call. I love both of those. I love the music from both of those movies. Mm -hmm. We're going to go with Dirty Dancing. Wow. Okay. Why? Uh, well, Footloose, was, Footloose was 1984. Dirty Dancing was 87. So roughly the same era. Um, I liked the music in Dirty Dancing because it was late 50s. Mm -hmm. That was when the, the the film was set. Okay, uh, and I I think I was born twenty five years too late. Okay, I, I played in the stage band for the uh, for the play of Greece, the musical. Wow. Okay, I actually played electric bass, and uh, God bless America, that music was fun. Just that <laughs> doo wop. You know, there's a chord progression that just existed throughout the fifties. Yeah. And, and you hear it and you just feel like you want to stroll. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just cool. Uh, you know, Kevin Bacon dancing his scrawny little ass off in uh, in Footloose. Yeah. Kenny Loggins tune. Kenny Loggins you can't, the 80s. Yeah. You can't beat Kenny Loggins when it comes to movie soundtracks. He hates that from what I hear, um, you know, interviews I've seen about him. But that, that's what he does. I mean, he's Top Gun. He's Footloose. You you name it, he's done them. Um, I agree. You, you can't go wrong with um, Patrick Swayze for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, and I think movie wise, and not to get into the, the the movie aspect, I'm a huge movie guy. Is why I started thinking about this a couple nights ago. Um, movie from beginning to end, Dirty Dancing is phenomenal. Footloose is just fun. Between the two, I think Footloose is my favorite one to watch um, just because huge Kevin Bacon fan. Uh, love that guy. Um, and, uh, you know, so uh, I, I appreciate that you're a dirty dancing guy. I didn't I didn't know which way you'd go. So that's fantastic. Um, OK, go a little off script here. Braveheart Gladiator. Braveheart. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Braveheart. Although. Hopelessly historically inaccurate, <laughs> you know, a hundred percent. But yeah, still a great that, movie. Same thing with Gladiator too. I mean, uh, they it count, they called him the Spaniard. There was no Spain yet. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, 
I didn't yeah. know that. I never thought of that. You're correct. <laughs> it, the thing about Gladiator, first, I'm a, a Russell Crowe um, fan. At mm-hmm. the end, when, when he when he's when he's dead on the ground, and uh, and I forget who the guy is, but he comes over and says, "Who will help me carry him?" And they all come out there. I mean. I'm a I'm an eight year old child crying on the floor when that part comes up. Um, so, all right, one more, one more. Uh, this is fun. I like it. Casino Goodfellas. Wowzers. Um, I like Goodfellas the way it's told in a first person. You know, this mm-hmm. is what happened to me. This is you know Ray Liotta is just you know I met this guy mm-hmm. and uh, the voiceover. You know, yeah. th- telling you a story and. Uh, I like that aspect of, yeah. you know, casino movies, you know, the Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12. Those are kind of cool. Um, yeah, I think I'm Goodfellas. Yeah, uh, Goodfellas from what Ray Liotta, when they got him as a young guy growing up through it, uh, phenomenal storytelling. Uh, one more thing, and I guess you can, uh, I'll answer this for you, but you can do it. Beach, <laughs> mountains, desert, plains. Wow. Um, you know, uh, if, if you follow me on Facebook, um, uh, all winter time, we take the motorhome and the desert toys mm-hmm. out to the, the desert. We get there in two and a half hours. You don't need a reservation. You just find a place and stop right here. And nice. you know, we, we have a fire pit that we built, God almighty, almost 20 years ago. And we, we always get back to it. It's marked on a GPS, um, so uh, we spent our Thanksgivings out there with last. The record number of rigs was 13 rigs, just parked in a big circle around wow, the Wow, nice. And uh, I deep fried a couple turkeys, everybody else potlucks. And, you know, we have bonfires at night telling stories. Some of them are square dancers. Okay. Are, you know, we're very active in the Chamber of Commerce here. Mm-hmm. Some of them are chamber members. Uh, um, but then come river season, Memorial Day weekend is two weeks away. Uh, we will take the desert toys out of the trailer and put personal watercraft in the trailer. Nice. To the Colorado River. Now, we don't dry camp at the, I have the hiccups, son of a gun. We don't dry camp at the Colorado River because it's too freaking hot. It's going to be 110 degrees. So we go to a RV park that has, you know, full hookups. 50 amp service so we can run all three air conditioners on the motorhome and you know turn the rv into a meat locker we actually start the generator here at home and get the three acs running because if you go out there and then turn on the air they're gonna take eight hours at least just to catch up so uh you put the boats in the water friday or first thing saturday morning and you know just run up and down the river throw a couple beers in a cooler uh and yes, some other some other you know friends go with us. Yeah. Uh, I actually married a young couple out at the river a few years ago. Very nice. Okay. Um, they're the the daughter is a daughter of some square dancers, and uh, and I, I approved of the boy. <laughs> good, good, good. I've known that child since she was sixteen, and uh, I didn't approve of all of them. <laughs> and, uh, this young man. So I, you know, I kind of just did a stand-up comedy set with them standing there at the uh, at the nice. office and uh, 
I probably had 50 or 60 guests all standing around in 110 degree heat, sweating our balls off. And it was awesome. So we, we like to take the motor home to uh, score dance festivals. Mm -hmm. There's one, I'm going to point like you can see, um, up in uh, Yuba City, which is about Sacramento-ish. So from here, it's nine hours of drive time in the motorhome. Uh, but it's a, one of the most spectacular venues where uh, all the square dance halls are around the perimeter and the RV parking is in the center. And, you know, it, it's just cool. And my big brother lives about two hours north and west of Sacramento. So we will take off a week ahead of time, go up there, park the RV in his front yard, and I'll help him with projects on the house. And then Thursday morning, we'll fire up the beast and head down to Yuba City and go to the gig that takes place uh, in late October called Harvest Hoedown. Okay. And, uh, this year, Hunter is one of the featured callers. So we'll go see the boy and dance to him. The man, you know, he can sing. And uh, he could do a session at Color Lab on showmanship. Uh, and that's what, I mean, none of us started out as great score dance callers. You know, but, and Hunter was not a great score dancer. was. But the man could put on a show on stage. <clears throat> and uh, his calling ability just ramped upward until... Um, now he's a great caller with a great stage show. I hate his freaking guts. <laughs> yeah, I, to I told him when um, I was talking to him on the podcast I did with him, um, he was really the first caller not from Georgia in the area that I was in when I was starting out calling around 2014, 15. He was in Kennesaw, um, and I'd heard of him, but uh, he came down and he was the first one, and I was like, Wow, that's a whole nother level, you know, from the guys that I've been seeing. I mean, really good callers in this area, older guys. Um, but you don't have that the, the stage presence when it comes to putting on a show. You have really good callers. Some of these guys that were in there, they taught me, in their 70s, 80s, you know, um, that can really go up there and resolve and choreography to the, to, to the lights go out. Um, mm -hmm. But – just a stage show and hunters up there. And of course, out of 2015, let's guess that was when it was, he's got one of his shirts on with the designs all over it. And I'm like, look at this. That's another level of call or thing. And that was when he was even younger. Oh yeah. You know? So, um, and I told him, I was like, even if they, I'm much older than him. Uh, I, that was a huge influence. I was like, I need to be like that guy. Not that I could ever get there, but I, I need to go that direction. Right. Something um, to aspire to. Yeah. So it was phenomenal. Anything you got coming up? Anything else you want to talk about? Well, um, we uh, I'm only teaching one night a week now. Uh, when I left San Diego in November of 2007, I was working five nights a week minimum. <clears throat> I had Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then if I had out-of-town gigs Friday and Saturday, there's seven. Wow. I had, sometime in the mid-90s, I did 140 nights in a row. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, still working a full-time day job. And uh, 
you know, I, I attended a session at this most recent caller lab on work life balance. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, most of this stuff at these sessions, you already know, but it is really nice to have somebody say it. And it, it, what's the word? Cements it in your head. It's like, you know what? Dang it. I need to, I need to do that. Um, but, you know, I didn't get married until I was 44 years old. I, you know, there was obviously a string of girlfriends and a couple of fiancés. And, you know, every one of them got tired of taking second place to square dancing. And the, the last girl that I was engaged to at uh, the beginning of the end, I didn't see it at the time. We never do. Uh, she, we were talking about the wedding day. And she mentioned the third Saturday in June. And without thinking, I go, well, that's national convention. Well, that didn't sit too well. And in retrospect, who gives a rat's ass about national convention? Yeah. So if you're going to get married to the love of your life. Uh, so um, when I left San Diego, I was, uh, I was engaged to Monica. And uh, I moved up. So we lived in sin for a year or so before we got married. And... Uh, I just, you know, the phone starts ringing. Oh, I hear you live in Riverside County now. Do you want to teach our class? Wow. Nice. I'm, I'm actually with a girl that I like <laughs> and I want to keep her. So, no. But uh, this club is called the Grape Stompers. The, the city of Temecula, which is right on the border between Riverside County and San Diego County, is known for their wine. Um, it's in a valley and grape vines wine grapes like fog they like that mist that stupid information Temecula is based on an indian word excuse me native american word for valley of the mists the word is temecu and that's what it is in fact you can drive south and you're in brilliant sunshine and you go into a fog bank and people are turning on their headlights and taking 30 miles per hour off their speed. <laughs> uh, so I had talked for them from 1987 to 2001. Wow. 14 years. Yeah. And then uh, when I moved up here, uh, they had another caller and I, I knew they weren't happy with their caller, but clubs aren't real good at telling the caller, you can leave. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the caller left town and they called me and uh, it was just like slipping right back into a, a perfect pair of jeans, you know, it's just, nice. yeah. uh, and they, they're solid square dancers. Uh, we do not do SSD. We teach mainstream and plus mm -hmm. we do two mainstream classes a year and one plus class a year. Okay. So we kind of build up a, a crowd uh, we just graduated 19 mainstream wow. square dancers. And they're, they're pretty solid dancers. Uh, I like to bring guest callers in. Uh, if I'm leaving town or even if they're just in town for the night, come on out and call a tip. And I want to stand back and watch my dancers. Because I'm not the be-all, end-all. You know, I watch them and I go, oh, shit, I didn't teach them that. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't show them that in that right. position. And it, it's just as valuable to them as it is to me. And it's mm -hmm. an opportunity. You know, that's why I, one of the cool things about square dancing and square dance calling is everybody has a different approach. Right. There's 
so much uh, flexibility uh, out there. And that's one of the things, and you know, I don't want to soapbox too much, but you look at these weekends that, that square dance weekends, mm-hmm. the big ones, the same five guys call all of them. And that's because those five guys are freaking awesome. Yeah. You know, you know, Hunter, Tony, Jet, Jack, Ted. I mean, these guys are phenomenal callers. They get all the gigs because they're freaking good at it. Mm. But what's not what gets lost in the shuffle is there's a ton of really freaking good callers. Out yes, there. there are. Yeah. Mike Hogan is just so underrated, and he carries a can he carry a weekend and not even blink. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm currently drawing uh, Joe Saltel, but you know he's one of the five. You know, Joe is you know top three on the planet. But there are David Mead here in Southern California could carry a weekend. Uh, a lot of guys, uh, and I just you know, and I I get it. You know, if you're the organizer of the gig, you're like, well, we want lots of people to come and bring their checkbooks. Yeah, so let's, let's have Tony and Jet and Jack do the dance. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. And yes, a whole bunch of people will show up. Make no mistake about it. Yeah. Uh, but you put Mike Hogan, you know, maybe maybe go ahead and do your headline act. Uh, but you know, throw in. I, mean, I keep coming back to Mike Hogan because also he's the nicest man. I agree. Yep, I've had a, I've had a couple of conversations with him. Yes, uh, you know, and and let people see that you know this this guy can carry it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Justin, you know, Justin and Hunter came up at roughly the same time. Yep, they did. Hunter's got, you know, quite a bit more of a stage show than Justin does, but Justin is a superb. It's fantastic. Player. I love this. I, I just listen to Justin. Fantastic. Yeah, so these guys, uh, I think there could be a lot more variety out there if the organizers of these mm-hmm. weekends would, I don't know, take a chance a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, if you hire a caller who's not one of the top five, and uh, they crash and burn, okay, you know, it's, it happens. Yeah. And uh, you know, I remember this is forty years or thirty-five years ago. There's a guy started learning to call after I did, and uh, he he wasn't very good at it. Just wasn't very good at it, and he wasn't doing the homework. And uh, he somehow got himself onto a weekend. He was the third caller of three, and one of the callers, I think it was Mike Seastrom, Ken Bauer, and this guy. I'll leave him nameless for obvious reasons. And he calls me. He says, "I talked my way onto a weekend. I'm doing it with so and so." And I'm on the phone going, "Is this happening? Am I in the twilight zone? How do I get that gig?" Yeah. And he tells me, and I'll never forget this. He goes, Pat, this will make me or break me. I'm like, it sure will. And he was out of the score dance calling business. Wow. I mean, he just played stopped. But then, I mean, you've been calling now for, about 10 years or so? For 15 about that, years? yeah, about 12. Yeah. yeah um, you know, in, in my 41, coming up on 42 years of calling, a number of guys and gals have come and said, I want to learn how to call. And the first thing I do is I give them a CD of every one of my shakedown tunes. That's my my seed. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Learn some of these tunes. And I'll let them do singing calls for the first few weeks, month or yeah. so. But, I mean, you and I know 
very well that a singing call is essentially just karaoke. That's exactly what it is. Yep. Head squared, three foreheads round you go and do side And after three or four Sunday nights of singing calls, I'll say, okay, next week I want to hear some patter. I can't do patter. Well, then you're not a freaking caller. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, I can't, I can't do it. I said, well, first off, you don't have to say something on every beat of the music. New callers are unmistakable. Head squared through four hands round. That bring you go when when you're done. You don't. I don't. It's like, are you gonna breathe? <laughs> At some point, <laughs> you don't have to do that. We have beautiful music. Just say head square through four and shut up. Yeah. Let them yep. enjoy the music. I, I, I watch a ton of people on YouTube, and you you can see that. And 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 some of the. the, the Top college, big ones have been doing it forever. You'll notice that if you just listen, you hear a lot of music. And then you get the newer callers out there, and they're working. And, you know, you don't hear the music because it's just blah, 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 blah. And, and, and I tell them sometimes I love hearing myself. And so I'll catch – and sometimes when I'm doing a Scott Bennett song, I've got to say, just shut up. Just shut up because the music's so good. On a middle break, you know, just say side space grandstand and step back. You don't have to sing through it all. There's good songs to sing, Brandy being one of them. That is a story song. You got to tell the story. But some of that stuff, when the music's playing, just let the music go. And when you're doing patter, the same thing. When you call a relay the deuce, you don't say anything else. Let it go. Yeah. You know, let the music play. Um, so, yeah, I, I've never thought of it that way, but I see that. That's, that, that's nice. Oh my gosh! Well, Pat, I appreciate it, brother. Um, you got some cruises coming up. Um, I'm gonna get on there. I, I didn't realize that um, Jet Airliner was yours. Uh, uh, before I go to bed tonight, I'll have purchased that more than likely. Uh, I've actually got a dance Thursday night at my. I have a club. I, I call first and third Thursdays in Calhoun, Georgia, and um, I haven't been there because I was when we were in Caller Lab. I missed one, and so uh, had somebody else do it for me. So this is my first time back in about a month. So I've got a bunch of new stuff from Caller Lab that I want to do, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to get. I'm, I'm not going to get Jet Airline and break it for Thursday. I don't think Saturday I have a dance with a, a club that uh, I picked up a dance Saturday night. Uh, today when I was at work, they called me. I'm going to do Jet Airline or Saturday night. Cool. Well, you know, for me, um, I'm a little bit lazy. I don't, when I, and I'm on the comp list. I get some free tunes from some of the record producers. And if I can't hit the play button and sing it, then I'm probably not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, it needs to sound like the original tune. It needs yes. to. So uh, I'll bet you you can do Jet Airliner Thursday night because you grew up listening to the Steve Miller band. Steve Miller could sit, could sing to my music. Okay. It's perfect. Yep. Um, <laughs> I will definitely get into that tonight. Um, uh, one of my favorite songs, I didn't realize you had done that. Um, so that's outstanding. Pat, it's a pleasure. I'm certainly glad we got to talk a little bit at Caller Lab. Um, so I got to know you a little bit um, because we've met in the past, but no real conversation just because that's the way things set up sometimes when you're – bouncing around and you got 250 oh, yeah. callers uh at caller lab and of course you're in california and like i say i've passed through california twice and that's about <laughs> it and maybe one day i'll get back and spend a week who knows uh well, a pleasure talking to you buddy um uh you're going to be in uh 
um, Alabama next month? Yes, sir. Outstanding. Yeah, Southwest Airlines does not fly in the Mobile, so we're going to fly into Pensacola, and we got a car reserved, and we'll just drive for an hour. And okay. Mobile, well, so we'll be there. The upside, it's it's about two and a half hours for me, so I get to drive to this one finally. So that's good. Right on. So um, I will see you there, sir. And uh, the first round to be on me went afterwards. I like it. Sounds good. Thank you so much for inviting yeah, me. It's a pleasure, brother. Good seeing uh, you. Have yep. a good one. Yep. Bye now.